0: If you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 14. We're going to be, uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the pneuma. The pneuma. What in the world are you talking about? Pneuma is Greek for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And then I want to tell you, this is a crucial study because at the very center of Christianity and at the very center of the heart of God is the Holy Spirit. And the reason we've subtitled this series, The God I Never Knew, is because There's probably not another figure in the Bible that is either more neglected, more misunderstood, I would say more abused, or even more forgotten about than the Holy Spirit. And I also believe that the number one reason why there's so much weakness and so much deficiency of power in our spiritual lives and even in the church today is because we're either purposefully neglecting the Spirit or we misunderstand the purpose of the Spirit or we don't have the faith to truly believe. That the solution to our issues, the issue, I don't care what it is you're going through, the issues of our life, and even issues in the church as a whole, is just very simple. It's the Holy Spirit. Listen, if we could gain a true personal understanding and dependence on the Holy Spirit in our lives, it would revolutionize every part of our lives, our personal world. It would energize our spiritual lives. It would strengthen our marriages. It would comfort you and bring you unbelievable peace through the unexpected storms of life. And it would would take our efforts to reach people with the love of Jesus Christ to whole new levels. That's how important this topic is to every single one of us who are here uh, today, this morning. Matter of fact, Tony Evans, who's one of my favorite authors, he's also a pastor in Dallas, Texas. He says, if everything in life emanates from the knowledge of God, then it's safe to say that everything in the Christian life emanates from the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. See, without the Holy Spirit, there would be no creation, there would be no virgin birth, there would be no, no Christians, there'd be no Bible, there'd be no church, no one to hold, hold back sin in the world, there'd be no uh, expectation of, of the return of Christ. I mean, you take the Holy Spirit out of the picture, and really, there would be absolutely nothing to the Christian life. He is absolutely central to everything that we're all about as followers of Jesus Christ. His role in your life is essential. It's the essential factor to determining whether you're going to win or lose spiritually every single day. His preeminence in your life is the key to whether you're going to walk in weakness or you're going to walk in God's power today. So with that said, I want to just to look at John chapter 14, and I want to kind of set the 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 scene for you, if I could, for just a moment. Jesus is in a room. We know we call it the upper room. He's in a room with his disciples, and he's having his last meal with them before he is going to be arrested and then put on trial and then, as you know, taken to the cross. And after they're finished eating together, Jesus makes a promise to them. And it's an incredible promise. And here's what he says in verse 16. He says, And I will ask the Father. And he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now understand that when Jesus spoke these words to his disciples, this was not a happy moment. Um, Jesus had just, at this same meal, had revealed Judas to be a traitor. He had just looked at Peter and told Peter that he was going to deny him three times And now he's told the disciples that he's going to leave them and they're not going to go to where he's going. And so you need to understand there was a lot of confusion in the room. There was a lot of anxiety. This was not a warm, fuzzy moment between the disciples and Jesus like some of the paintings like to portray. There there was a lot of tension in this moment. And now Jesus, remember, Jesus has just told them, listen, guys, I'm leaving, but here's what I'm doing. I'm making a promise to you. I'm going to ask the Father to give you the Holy Spirit. Now imagine for a moment what these guys must have been thinking. Okay, Jesus, you're leaving, and you're promising to send a spirit to us? Like a ghost? What is this, Ghostbusters? I mean, they may have been thinking the same thing that some of you may be thinking this morning. Who in the world is the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, I want you to know the Holy Spirit's not imaginary. He's a very real person. You see, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says he bears all the attributes of someone that has a personality. He has intellect. He has emotions. He has a will. Romans chapter 8, verse 27 tells us that there are things that he knows in his mind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 tells us the, that his actual motions can be grieved. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, tells us that there's a purpose behind everything he does. And also, when the Bible refers to him, it uses personal pronouns to describe him. Now, we oftentimes talk about the Holy Spirit as a power. We say, we need, I need Holy Spirit power in my life. Well, before you can have Holy Spirit power, you first need to know the Holy Spirit person. Sometimes we view the Holy Spirit as some kind of hookup rather than a relationship. I I have met way too many people who see the Holy Spirit as some kind of emotional drug that that will give them some kind of spiritual buzz for just a moment or or, maybe some point in the week. The problem is is they end up with a a huge spiritual deficiency in their lives because they miss out on the personal relationship that the holy spirit wants to have with us on a daily basis. So we need to understand that the holy spirit is a very real and relevant person. The second thing is the holy spirit is God. He's not a substitute for God. He is God. He is the third part of the trinity. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 before Jesus went up into heaven he said go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit. Now the word name in this verse is a singular meaning That God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are all one person, which we call the Trinity. However, they are three very distinct individuals that play three very different roles as part of this Trinity. So he's God, but he's also very unique. Just looking at his name describes his uniqueness because, because he's God, he's holy. He is constantly at work convicting the world of sin. You say, what's going on? What's he doing outside of the walls of this building? Well, he's out there convicting the world of sin and drawing people to Jesus. But he's also empowering believers to live holy lives so so Jesus can be lifted up through us. He's empowering us, he's helping us. He's a spirit because he's non material and he's invisible. The New Testament and the Old Testament call him spirit, which means wind or breath. He is the very breath of God. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, look at the screen. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were what? You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, when you became a child of God, the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of you. The Bible says he indwelt you. He set up shop in your spiritual life, and he seals you forever into the family of God. Now, why was he sent here? Why did Jesus make this promise? Why did he feel the need to send him here? Well, he knew that we were going to need a helper. God sent the Holy Spirit to be a helper. When Jesus told the disciples that he was going to leave, their very first question is, who's going to help us? Who's going to encourage us? Who's going to strengthen us? Who's going to watch our backs? Who's going to lead us like you've been leading us, Jesus? I mean, there, there was great concern here. That's why Jesus said to them in verse 16, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Jesus promised the disciples that he would send a helper to them when he left. In other words, the Holy Spirit was gonna be an internal presence that would lead them and strengthen them and empower them. Jesus was telling the disciples, I'm going to send you a helper that will be all to you that I was to you while I was here. Everything you received from me you're going to receive and get from him. Actually, he goes on to say, you're actually going to get even more. Now, as Christians, we all go through tough times in life. Some of you are going through a tough time in your life right now. And sometimes we think, if I could just get to this counselor, everything would be okay. If I could just get to this therapist, if I could just talk to that pastor, I know that he would be able to fix my problems. And that's fine. I mean, we, listen, we have some incredible counselors that are in this church. I mean, they're a gift not only to our church, but a gift to our community. But what if their office is closed when you have a problem? What if all of a sudden you know you you wanna talk to to, to your pastor and he's out of town? What if your best friend that you confide and tell everything to is, is not answering the phone, not answering your text messages? Here's where your faith kicks in. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you 24-7. Twenty four seven. He has miraculously taken up residence inside of your being. That's a promise that Jesus is making here. He's available to you twenty four seven. You don't have to text him and wait. You don't have to call and go leave a voicemail. You have him all the time. But you don't discover this amazing gift that God. You, you don't discover this amazing gift that God has left you if you don't have faith to lean strongly into this wonderful, unique part of God who is also God. And if you don't do that, then you're going to miss out on experiencing the full power of God in your life. So here's what we have. We have a helper that lives inside of us that is just like Jesus. Now, Jesus took it even further because later that evening, and we see him speaking to them in John 14:15, and we get into 16. He says something in verse 7. He says, but I'll tell you the truth, guys. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, imagine again the turmoil going on inside these disciples' minds. Jesus, listen, first of all, you're telling us you're leaving us. Then you tell us you're going to send us a helper that we can't see, okay? But he's going to live inside of us. And now you're telling us that it's all going to be to our advantage. It's going to be to our benefit. I mean, how could this be? What exactly does this mean? Well, it means that if Jesus had not sent his spirit to be a helper to us, then we would be powerless as Christians. You say, well, how how could that be? Why? Well, because when Jesus was here, everything about him that was God was stuck in his humanity. He chose that. He he chose to only be at one place at one time. During his ministry, he, he, he he traveled a few miles from his home. When he spoke, sometimes he spoke to a small crowd, sometimes he spoke to several thousands, but Jesus chose to limit himself to where he was at that moment. He chose to limit himself to his humanity. Now today after church, all of you are going to scatter off into different directions. Some of you are going to go east into Marietta. Some of you are going to go south into Douglasville. Some of you, are going to make, you, may, go, you may go west into New Georgia. Some of you are going to go north into Canton. But let's say just for the heck of it that you're going to go to Cartersville and you run into a problem. You don't want to hear that Jesus is stuck in Rock Mart when you need him to be with you in, in, in Cartersville, right? Jesus, I need you here in Seatown, in Seaville. I need you here. You want him now and you want his undivided attention. Well, listen, since Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit, he lives in you. Wherever you happen to be, all of God that you will ever need is at your disposal. When you trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you received the full package then why do I feel defeated sometimes if we have all of God that we will ever need then then why am I struggling with so many things all the time listen we here's what we know we know as Christians that we've gone from the old nature to the new nature but we're still struggling with the old nature Still going to be a battle for us. We're still going to sin. We also know that Satan is constantly coming after us. We have an enemy who's constantly trying to bring us down to defeat us. We also know that we live in a broken world that continues to be messed up. But as you think about the Holy Spirit, the question is not how much of the Holy Spirit do I have, but it's how much does he have of me? How much does the Holy Spirit have of me? That's the question. See, God sent a helper who is capable of empowering us through anything that we will face in our life. He's our helper. He's he's there for us all the time. Now, he helps us in many ways, but I want to tell you what his number one job is when it comes to helping us. He helps us in pointing us and the rest of the world to Jesus. See, sometimes we have the wrong view of the Holy Spirit. We look at him as some kind of power outlet that we can hook into whenever we need a quick fix. I mean, we treat him almost like a drug. I need to get to this church, or I need to get to this revival, or I need to, I need to get to this pastor this preacher because I need a shot of Holy Spirit power in my life. That's the wrong approach. It's the wrong approach. That's where things go off the rail when it comes to the Holy Spirit. That's where you see people rolling around on the floor and barking like dogs, claiming to be slain in the Holy Spirit. See, that, that's where the false idea sneaks into the church that the Holy Spirit is all about us. The Holy Spirit is not all about me, me, me. That's the wrong approach. You say, how do you know that? Because I want him to be about me. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 13 of chapter 16. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things, the things are to come, the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus is saying the number one job, the number one objective for the Holy Spirit is real simple. It's to point people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not here to show off. He's not here to put himself on display. He is certainly not here to put you on display or to make make a big deal out of you. His bottom line objective is, is, put to, is to put the spotlight on Jesus and to point you and the rest of the world to him. J.I. Uh, Packer, who is, who is a tremendous theologian, he calls the work of the Spirit a floodlight ministry, quietly turning everyone's attention away from himself and to the Savior. Now listen, that's important because if you have made this life all about you and your own personal happiness you're going to find yourself at odds with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to to talk more about amazing ways the Holy Spirit does help us personally in just a few moments, but don't miss this. Jesus told his disciples, when the Spirit comes, it will be to your advantage. He actually tells them in John uh, 14, 12, that they're going to be empowered to do greater things than if he were actually there with them. And I'm sure they're going, what in the world? Are you serious, Jesus? Now, what are those great things? Well, listen, those great things that we're empowered to do are all about glorifying Jesus. They're all about putting the spotlight on Jesus and pointing people to him. Psalm chapter 84, verse 11 tells us that, the, that glory and honor belong to God, and if he decides to share that with you, it's truly a gift of grace. But Listen, understand this, the help, the power, the guidance, the courage, the strength, everything else that Jesus had in mind when he said greater things are to come to you, are going to come to you from the Holy Spirit? Listen, it is given to us to point people and to make much of Jesus. Now, how does the Holy Spirit help us? Because I want you to know that there are some benefits. As we are pointing people to Jesus, as the Holy Spirit is living his life through us, there are some personal benefits that we just get. And I love this. First of all, among many, many other things, and I won't get to all of them today, but he helps us to understand and re- to remember the things of God. John chapter 14, verse 26 says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Now in the Bible, the word of God and the Holy Spirit always go together. The Holy Spirit makes the word of God Come alive inside of us. He explains it to us. He gives us the ability to understand it. He gives, the, he gives us the power to obey it. So here's what you need to know. As you are reading the Word of God, and I know that some of you are intimidated by the Bible. You look at it and you go, How in the world am I even going to understand this? I don't even know where to start. As you read the Word of God, you listen. You are listening to the very voice of God speaking into your life. The Holy Spirit is making that voice come alive in your life because he is God and he is the one that inspired the writing. He spoke into the life of Paul and Peter and John and said, write these words. So when you're reading it and if he's inside of you, he is making it come alive in your life. He's explaining it. He's helping you understand it. Understand it. I mean, who better to help us understand the book than the one who wrote it? The Spirit of God makes the Word of God personal to us. So when you're, a, when you're in a jam, when you're in a tough situation, here's what you need to remember. You need to remember what God says ab- about His book. You need, to, you, you, you need help. You need guidance. You need, a, you need a verse. You're thinking, I remember when I learned this verse when I was, when I was 12 years old. in in middle school or when I was 10 years old in Kid Quest, Listen, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us not only to understand God's word, but I can't tell you how many times he will bring a verse back to my mind when I'm in a tough situation and remind remind me of it because he is the word of God, and he wrote the book. The second thing he does is he gives us guidance, and I'm gonna spend a little time here, okay? When Jesus told his disciples that he was gonna go away and it was going to be to, to their advantage, He knew the incredible benefits that they were about to receive. In John chapter 16, verse 13, listen, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. In other words, one of the benefits of knowing Jesus personally is having the Holy Spirit guide us through life. Now, here's one of the questions that I get asked quite a bit. Um, How do I know for sure I'm hearing from God? Because I need guidance. I need direction. I want to hear God's voice. Well, throughout Scripture, here's what we see. We see God leading his people through both the mystery of the Holy Spirit and the clarity of his word. You say, what are you talking about, Brian? Well, let me talk about the mystery first. 36 times in the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit directing the apostles and the believers by speaking to them. Now, there was no magic formula they followed to hear the Spirit. There was no special prayer that we hear them praying. It was just real simple. They grounded themselves into the word. They obeyed Jesus' general commands they, and they looked to the Spirit to lead them. And they assumed that He was leading them even if they couldn't feel Him or see him, see, see him. I mean, you never see the Apostle Paul coming to a fork in the road and all of a sudden getting paralyzed, going, I don't know which way to go. Should I go to Ephesus? Should I go to Thessalonica? I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to sit. You, you never see that. You never see Him flipping a coin. You never see him pulling out the magic eight ball and shaking it up, going, should I go to Ephesus? You don't see that. Paul immersed himself in the word. He obeyed the commands of Jesus. He looked to the Spirit to guide him, and he just made decisions, assuming that the Spirit was leading him the whole time. Now, I'm gonna raise up a red flag of caution to some of you right now. I have been a Christian for 39 years. I have been in ministry now for almost 27 of those years, And I've had a lot of people come up to me and tell me over the years, listen, I have heard God's voice and they were wrong. I've had people, listen, I've had people come up to me and say, listen, God has given me a strong word to speak over your life. And I'll go, okay, let's hear it. And they end up being wrong. I want to remind you that in the Old Testament when prophets would speak on behalf of God, if they were wrong, they were put to death. So next time you speak a word that's wrong, You're gonna be stoned. I'm just kidding. Okay? But you need to understand, listen, we need to we need to understand. I mean, oftentimes we I've been wrong, you've been wrong. So, how can we know without a shadow of a doubt that we're getting complete clarity? That we're truly getting guidance from God. The clarity of scripture. Listen, the clarity, the, the, the apostle Peter calls the Bible completely reliable. The Apostle Paul said it is perfect, it's complete, it's sufficient for every decision that we need to make in this life. It prepares us, it equips us for everything that we're called to do in this life. The the Spirit of God and the Word of God will always be completely in sync with whatever God is telling you to do, whenever He's given you guidance. God's Spirit never operates independently from the Word of God. In other words, God will never lead you to do something that is contrary to Scripture. Ever. Now, some of you are going, I wish you'd get a little bit practical here because I've got a few questions. All right, well, let me get practical. Because let's say you're a guy in this building and you're, you're sitting here scratching your head going, I, I, I need to know, do I marry Susan or Mary? Because they're both waiting as if you're a stud. All right, so, I mean, here you got Susan, you got Mary, I mean, I need God's voice. Here's what you do. You you stay in the Word, you walk in obedience to God's commands, you stay close to Jesus in prayer, and you pick one. And you trust the Spirit of God is leading you. Listen, when I decided to marry Amy, I felt the Spirit of God leading me to pursue her. Our backgrounds were similar. We liked the same things. I couldn't stop thinking about her. I was always trying to figure out ways to be around her. Our offices were in the same, on the same campus. She was a teacher. I was a pastor and I was always trying to go past her classroom. Listen, people that I respected thought she was a great match for me. We wanted the same things in the future. I, I couldn't see my life without her. That was the mystery of the Holy Spirit leading me. But here's what I know from from scripture. I knew from scripture that God wanted me to marry a Christian woman, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. He wanted me to marry a woman who shared my love for Jesus and ministry, Proverbs chapter 18:22. I also knew that God wanted me to marry because I stink at being single, 1 Corinthians 7. So here's what I did. I obeyed the clarity of scripture. I trusted that the spirit of God would make would lead me to make the right choice and i want to tell you after almost 23 years he did that's how you make decisions in the will of god he also gives us the peace of god john 14:27 he said peace i leave with you he's talking to his disciples my peace i give to you not as the world gives to you let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid another jesus promised that the holy spirit would give us peace why well he knew we were going to face trouble he knew that we were going to go through some tough times. He knew that we were going to, that, that there was going to be people that w- might face death. He knew that being a Christian was going to be difficult, especially as he was talking to these disciples who most were going to give their life for the gospel. I have faced tragedies, personal tragedies in, in my own family. I have walked th- through tragedies with, with other people, even up to up this last month. And I have experienced unexplainable peace during my own suffering. I've watched other people experience unbelievable peace as well, and it's just almost unexplainable. And you say, where does that kind of peace come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit of God. See, when I need peace, here's what I do. I pray for it. I meditate on on verses in the Bible about it. I lean into my relationship with Jesus, and I walk in faith believing that God is going to give me peace. And you know what I find? He does. Then we also find that he empowers us to live victorious over sin. This is, this is cool. Listen to this. In Romans chapter 8, which is the chapter in the Bible on how to live the victorious Christian life, the Apostle Paul mentions the Holy Spirit 22 times in chapter 8. To put that into perspective, he only mentions the Holy Spirit 10 other times in the rest of the 15 chapters of Romans. So it's really clear. If you want victory over sin or over temptation or over the flesh, over addictions, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul couldn't even conceive a victory over sin without him. He said, apart from him, we have no hope over this wretched body of death. But with him, he says, we're more than conquerors. So you want victory over temptation and sin? Allow yourself to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then... I love this. Finally, he gives us hope. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, the Apostle Paul, here's what he prays. He prays that the God of hope would fill us to the point to where the, Holy, to the power of the Holy Spirit would cause us to overflow with hope. What does that mean? It means that some of you may have lost hope in your marriage this morning. And yet the Holy Spirit has the ability to restore hope once again to that marriage. It means that that some of you may have lost hope in a child who has walked away from God. And the Holy Spirit has the power to restore hope back to you as a parent. You may be struggling with an illness. Not only can the Holy Spirit heal you, but he can bring peace and hope into your situation. You might be praying for your neighborhood right now. You have neighbors that are are lost without Christ. You you, You may be praying for people at your workplace, that God would use you to lead people to Christ. Listen, the God of hope has the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to empower you to be an ambassador of hope to your neighbors, to your family, to your friends, to your workplace. See, when Jesus left, he promised his disciples that with the Holy Spirit, they were gonna be able to do greater things that he had already done because they were going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, now, again, it almost seems hard to believe. Because when you look at these guys that he was speaking to, these guys were just a bunch of blue-collar guys who may have been voted least likely to succeed in their high school. But listen, when you get into the book of Acts, chapter, and you look at chapter 2, these guys start a church in Jerusalem. And thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ in one day. And the next thing you know, the church takes off and the gospel spreads like wildfire. They start a movement called Christianity. But I want you to know that Acts chapter 2 would have never taken place without Acts chapter 1. You say, what happened in Acts chapter 1? Jesus leaves. But before he does, he says one last thing to the disciples. He says, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Jesus left, the disciples gathered for prayer, the Holy Spirit came upon them and it was on. Things started taking off. Listen, some of you are here this afternoon and you are a Christian. I mean, you know that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but you are walking around powerless and anemic full of turmoil, without direction, feeling hopeless. Listen, it is time for you to get reconnected to God's Holy Spirit. You say, how do I do that? It's just you repent of your sins, you confess them before God, you surrender your will to God's will, you get back into the Word, you get back on your knees in prayer, you ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and you get connected once again to hanging out with Jesus. Jesus said in John 15, He said, if you remain in Me, I'll remain in you, and you're going to bear a lot of fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. But you get, how do you get the Holy Spirit in your life? You hang out with Jesus. Then there's some of you in this room this afternoon. You're powerless. You're anemic. You're truly hopeless, empty, and you're living with no future. What do you need? You need a personal relationship with Jesus. Because when you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what's going to happen when I receive the Holy Spirit? Am I going to run around the room? Am I, what, what's going? No, no. Probably, probably nothing visible. If it happens, I'll, I'll be surprised. But you're going to walk out of here alive, whereas when you walked in here, you were dead spiritually. Whereas you walked in here powerless, you're going to walk out with power. The Holy Spirit of God is going to indwell you. Whether you're filled day by day, that's going to be up to how much you're willing to submit your will to the, to the will of the Father. How much you're willing to lean into Jesus. And we're going to take communion right now. I, I love communion because it allows us to do several things as a church. We get to look back. Get to look back at what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we get to look forward to his return. But it also gives us an opportunity to examine our lives to look into our heart to invite the Holy Spirit into every area of our life. And as the Spirit of God brings things to you that might be sinful, that may be causing you to be disconnected in your fellowship with Jesus, what do you do? I just I confess them. I repent of them. I, I'm sorry, Jesus. And God promises to forgive. And you walk out of here. Maybe you walked in here disconnected. You walk out connected. You walked in here Feeling powerless, you walk out going, "No, I've, I've got everything I need," and that's what we're getting ready to do with communion. You have an opportunity to clear the deck, and make things right with God, and walk out in power. I love that. For some of you, right now, I want, to, matter of fact, everybody, I want to just ask you to bow your head for just a moment. If you are sitting here today and you're feeling a conviction in your life, I mean, it's like, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. There's something going on inside of me. I mean, it is just—it is powerful. I've never experienced it before. Or maybe you've experienced before and you've said no to it. Part of what the Holy Spirit does is he convicts the world of sin. And part of what he may be doing in your life right now is convicting you of a sin, the sin of unbelief. The fact that you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The fact that you need Jesus. His One of his roles is to draw people to Jesus. To point... That people to Jesus, put the spotlight on Jesus, and to go, that's what you need. You need forgiveness. You need new life. It can't happen apart from, from Jesus. It can't happen apart from the cross. It can't happen apart from the blood. If that's who you are right now, I want you to pray with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, oh my goodness, I am feeling that conviction. And I'm not going to say no to it any longer. I say yes. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you were sent here to pay the penalty for my sins. And I declare with my lips you are the Son of God. I repent of my sins, Lord. I put all of my faith and my trust in Jesus alone. Oh, Father, save me right now. Would you do that? Now, as you're praying that, what's going on? You're going from death to life spiritually. The Holy Spirit has just come into your life whereas he wasn't before. And you're going to be walking out alive, full of God's Spirit, with hope, with direction, with power, made victorious. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. For whoever you did that for just now.